Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone. Welcome to the 3-0 show, part of the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, October 6th. This is our wild card round preview, of course, a new playoff format this year. So we have four series that'll be getting underway. On Friday should be a great weekend of baseball. The field is set. We're actually recording this on Wednesday, just before day uh, 162 or game. There 162 is no day. juice left today. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. Is there there. Anything? Mm, there's nothing. No, nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> I think all. I think everything's set. I don't think anybody's moving. It, which is wonderful for recording purposes. So <laughs> you know, the things we don't know, we don't know who's going to start game one for. I think seven of the eight teams playing on Friday. The only one we know is Alec Manoa is going to go for the Jays at this time. We have some pretty good guesses. We'll give our best guesses. Educated guesses, and more importantly, we'll get to predictions for each of these series as we sure run through the matchups. Guaranteed. Predictions. Sure to go wrong. And I tend to waffle a lot, just like uh, you did throughout nice. last postseason, so get your maple Take syrup ready. Lead. Yeah, because I feel good about waffling. I like waffles. Yeah, you gave me that waffle iron. We've been using it a lot. I am the king of waffles, both literally and figuratively. It's a great waffle iron. The, the key, the key is you actually want the batter to be pretty thin, almost as thin as you can get it. It's That's really it. Key. That's the key. Yeah, because waffles, like when the batter is thick, you're just like. Oh, God, there's so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, you want them to be fluffy. When they're thin, they're just like nice and light and airy. You want the waffles to not fill the entire waffle iron. You want the craggly edges, too. Oh, so yeah. Fill like 80% yeah. of your waffle iron. That is also key. That is also key. Uh, I don't always get that right. Yeah. At least the first one, I like overpour, and the second one, I'm like, okay, I got this right. Yeah, first one's kind of always a, a practice waffle. <laughs> anyway, people did not come for waffle tips. They came for wild sure? card round talk. I'm pretty <laughs> sure if you want more waffle content, you'll have to tweet at us, and we can provide that via Twitter. Let's start with the Cardinals and Phillies series. This will be in St. Louis. The Cardinals, of course, won the NL Central. The Phillies, the last wild card team in. The winner of this series will eventually go play the defending champions in Atlanta in the next round. The Cardinals were 15th in Major League Baseball in homers last season. You know, they're 8th this year. League-wide, power is down, but they've sustained power or increased relative to what was going on. They're 4th in team strikeout percentage at 19.9%. The top 5 teams in this category all made the playoffs this year. And I was reading Katie Wu's roster projection for the Cardinals for the series. They're likely to carry 5 starters, even though they're only 3 games, because there are some concerns. And you found some issues with Adam Wainwright, specifically with his velocity down the stretch. Well, uh, you know, just I think overall, he just doesn't look 100%. Um, you know, even when he was doing his best, uh, I think he was a little bit more about command 
especially slider command. That was his. I think that was his best feature when he was at his best. You can just see from the walk rates actually that uh, he's not all the way back. Um, he walked five against one strikeout against the Brewers. Uh, he's generally had a, f- a five and a half walks per nine since he's been back. Um, yeah, and the velo is, you know, has been better. You know, he was at 95, 94 uh, before he got hurt. Uh, he's been sitting 92 recently. So I think the best use of him is more of a security blanket. I think he is the guy you keep in reserve. I think him and Matts are the guys that you keep in reserve because as much as I love Miles Michaelis and I'm throwing him in game one, and as much as I think Jose Quintana has had a resurgence that's based mostly on really good command and just knowing his stuff, uh, I want to have security blankets for both of them. Uh, And then I especially want one for Adam Wainwright, Ooh, good lord. His max velo, Adam Wainwright's max velo in October is 87 miles an hour. He's down more than anybody else in baseball since spring in terms of starters, and uh, his max velo is down with it. Uh, maybe he's saving bullets, uh, but I would feel much better, you know, uh, when I'm pitching Adam Wainwright. Uh, I would love to have Flaherty and maybe Matt's there, and it's an all hands on deck type of game, because if he comes out throwing eighty sevens, I don't, I don't, they, you know, the Phillies lineup is pretty good. You know, one thing that's really important for this Cardinals team is that last minute acquisition of Jordan Montgomery at the trade deadline. Since joining the Cardinals, a three eleven ERA, a one oh eight WHIP. This is a guy that without him. I would feel really bad about their rotation the further they go into the postseason. But with him, I actually feel quite a bit better. Yeah, and I think, you know, that makes that game three even more intriguing. Uh, You've got Adam Wainwright. You've got the security blanket that I proposed with Jack Flaherty. uh, And you've got Jordan Montgomery. You could just start Jordan Montgomery and turn Adam Wainwright into the security blanket. So there's going to be a lot of gamesmanship about game three if it comes down to it. Everybody's there's going to be all hands on deck. It's going to be righty, lefty, starters, relievers. Uh, there's going to be a lot there. But I also think that they might factor into game two. Flaherty, Montgomery, Wainwright, any one of those could come into game two if Quintana struggles. So this is going to be a team that I think hopes Miles Michaelis goes deep and really puts everybody else on the table. If Why you're not giving Jordan Montgomery just one of these starts is because you've got Adam Wainwright. Um, you know, it seems like you'd give uh, the start to the guy who's used to it. And maybe, just maybe, because Jordan Montgomery stumbled a little bit down the stretch with a 4-3-6 ERA in September with a couple uh, bad starts against playoff caliber squads um, like uh, the Dodgers and uh, I'll call the Brewers playoff quality, sorry. <laughs> that was uncalled for. Yeah, it really was. But, you know, Montgomery does uh, help me uh, towards uh, the Cardinals on this because that just gives them a lot of options. And even if, uh, you know, the Phillies overall starting pitching quality is better, uh, you know, I like that the Cardinals have some options if they want to go short on the, the guys they do have. Yeah, I mean, this points back to a bigger question about the rotation as a whole. How well does it hold up against playoff lineups? They went three and four in the regular season against the Phillies and the Braves, too, if you're looking ahead to their matchup potentially after this round. Only four games over 500 against non-NL Central clubs. Like This is the issue that both Central divisions have had in recent years. It's an eternal question, right? It comes up every year. How do you how do you gauge quality if you don't have quality opposition? Yeah, you can only play who's on the schedule, and maybe in in future years this will be less of a question because we'll have a more balanced schedule. But as much That's as true. Miles Michaelis has shown us that what he did back in 2018 wasn't a fluke by basically repeating that, pitching at that same sort of level, if not even slightly better this yeah, year, he's, he's really good. I still, if he's your one. Compared to yeah, other teams, like Aaron Nola or, or yeah, Wheeler, <laughs> yeah, you're giving something up in the starting pitching matchups against any team you face in the yeah. NL right now. That's just the way the Cardinals are. Now, again, the lineup is good, and the secondary con- contributions in the second half of the season were outstanding because you had Albert Pujols with a magical second half, three fourteen, three seventy seven, six eighty one. 
with 20 home runs since July 1st from Albert Pujols. Remarkable. Lars Nootbaar has been very good in the second half. 371 OBP since July 1st. 12 homers in 267 plate appearances. So you put those guys, you put those guys behind Goldie and Arenado, and the lineup is better than we're used to. So they've taken a step forward there. Compared to where they were a year ago, I like this team better. Is this going to be like high scoring games? Could be. I don't think the Phillies pitching is bad. I think the Phillies pitching is very good. The starting pitching but at the top is excellent. But if this is good and the Phillies lineup is good and the starting rotation for the Cardinals is not great, I don't know. These could be some high-scoring games. Uh, the, the Here's a weakness on the other side for the Phillies. The bullpen. Now, it doesn't, like, for the full season, you're like, oh, no, you know, uh, the Phillies bullpen this year was ninth in baseball. You know, not, not bad. You know, they, they really uh, improved that. Um, I have to, by the setup, you already know, uh, they were not as good in uh, in the last 30 days. Uh, and it actually gets even worse in the last 14 days. You know, their, uh, their war is good. Uh, but they started to walk uh, four and a half per nine almost. Uh, and then if you kind of drill down into it, uh, here are some concerning numbers. Um, David Robertson has walked t- uh, five, has walked 12 and a half batters per nine uh, in the last five appearances. Sir Anthony Dominguez has walked 12 and a half batters per nine in his last five appearances. So, those two are not running in all cylinders. And how relevant is it? Uh, is uh, someone like, mm, I know, Andrew Bellotti, uh, is he going to be, uh, you know, a playoff reliever? Christopher Sanchez, is he going to be a playoff reliever? Chris Devensky, you know, um, you know, you really start to focus down on three or four relievers. And I think for the for the Phillies right now, Sir Anthony Dominguez looks like he doesn't know where the plate is. Robertson doesn't look like you know where the plate is. And you're gonna you might be down to Eflin and Alvarado as uh, Zach Eflin and Jose Alvarado is like the two relievers you can trust. So there is, if you can pepper away at Wheeler, who may not have as much depth uh, in terms of how far he can go into the, into the into the uh, game, or if you manage to get to nola uh early then uh, there might be some opportunities for the cardinals offense in the sixth and seventh innings i think how teams in general choose to use the starters that won't have to make a start in these short series is one way of really covering up some flaws if you have questions about your bullpen depth well guess what your fourth starter and your fifth starter if they're good can actually step in and chew up a lot of innings and then you can shorten up to your A bullpen, at least for now. You can hide the flaw for one round and see how it happens uh, to, to bite you later on. I'm a little higher on this bullpen than you are. I'm not as worried about the recent control issues that you mentioned for Dominguez and Roberts. And I think compared to past Phillies bullpens, this is an improvement, right? This is more <laughs> yeah. of like a league-wide top 10 sort of bullpen, just in terms of, mm. of war. So it's acceptable. It's a playoff-level group. Eflin in the bullpen is new, by the way. Do you think this is good? Do you think this is actually a good long-term usage for him? And do you think the ceiling is actually a lot higher for Eflin working in these short stints as opposed to continuing to go down the path of you know starting every fifth day and being more of a, a back-end sort of starter most of the time? He's shown flashes of being something more. So I don't know if this is permanent, but how good can he be in short relief? He's got the 94 uh, mile per hour velocity, which he hasn't seen uh, since 2018. Um, so, you know, uh, I think that uh, it's been good for rejuvenating his fastball, and he's never had an amazing fastball. So, I, I do think it's a good idea. Um, I think that the Phillies may end up having to do a little bit more of that. Um, they've already sort of been using. Uh, Noah Syndergaard in, in in sort of tandem with Bailey Falter, um, and I think that's going to have to uh, continue because for me, I like Enola and Wheeler, and I think there's a very clear uh, advantage, as we said, uh, over the Cardinals starting pitchers for those two. But when it comes to Gibson, Suarez, Falter, and Syndergaard. I am just uh, looking at matchups. That's almost a de facto bullpen game for me. 
because a if it goes to three it's it is everybody all hands on deck and b i just i'm not gonna stick kyle gibson in there and let him put three guys on you know what i mean i'm just not i'm gonna if kyle gibson puts you know puts a second guy on uh you know Syndergaard's up in the pen or suarez is up in the pen so and in fact i may even have somebody up in the pen in the first inning no matter what is happening <laughs> uh so i i think that game three if it goes to game three i think that'll be really fascinating because it'll It'll be a lot of pitchers that are used to bulk, a lot of pitchers like, you know, Wainwright and Gibson up front. And if maybe one of them uh, has a great command day and uh, that you could easily, either one of them could easily throw five innings of one run ball, you know, but will either team even let them give in a run? You know, like, you know, how quickly will will they reach for their bullpens in that game three? And I I would assume very quickly. So I think it'll be a lot of starting pitchers and relievers going one inning in that game three if it goes to three. Yeah, I think many of these series are coin flips. I think this is a coin flip. I think these teams match up really well. And the big thing that closes the gap on these two teams is the Phillies starting pitching being better. They have the edge. I would argue in each of the first two games, with Nola and Wheeler, even though Miles Michaelis has been great so far this season. I, I, I don't want to undersell what he's done, but when you're talking about playoff caliber lineups, I trust the Phillies' top two starters more than I trust the Cardinals' top two starters. So I'll pick the upset here. I'll probably regret it. If Britt were here, she'd laugh in my face and just take the Cardinals and cruise to a wild card round victory. But I'll be the dum-dum that takes Philadelphia to pull off an upset. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I just, uh, you know, the I do, I, I tend to fixate on starting pitcher matchups. And so most of the time I would have taken the Phillies. Um, but, you know, Steven Matz in your back pocket is an interesting thing to have with such a lefty lineup with the Phillies. I feel like, um, you know, being able to, to deploy him and get to your bullpen. They've got a really good bullpen. Uh, they also don't, uh, they pick the ball well. So there's not going to be, I doubt there's going to be a big uh, defensive gaffe that leads to runs for the Cardinals, whereas the Phillies are liable for that to happen at any moment. Oh, yes. The Phillies' defensive shortcomings, which I've been concerned about all year, picking them anyway. Uh, Bryce Harper, since coming back from the IL, not being the same player, picking them anyway. He's hit 227, 325, 352 with three homers. I'm sure the thumb still hurts. Has to. It absolutely has to. What's helped them is that JT Realmuto has been a top 10 offensive player by WRC plus going back to July 1st. So he's basically filled the Harper void. Kyle Schwarber is mashing second only and Aaron Judge to homers season long and in the second half of the year. Will there be a stolen base in this series? Oh, I'd, I would bet. Yeah, I'd bet yes. Someone, someone looking at it. Like Real Muto, maybe. <laughs> like, I, I, like Real Muto is like maybe the top catcher against the run game this year. So he's an amazing player. There's a great Matt Gelb piece about how he controls the running game and is such a good runner. Um, but yeah, I, the, the Phillies just came to town and uh, Kyle Schwarber, I love him to death, but there were a couple where I was like, did you move? Or are you just so slow that I didn't see it? <laughs> like a couple balls to the wall where I was like, you know, live, I was like, um, okay, yeah, he's not very good. <laughs> Brandon Marsh it has does, it. It's covered. Yeah, and then Brandon Marsh like ha- had some ball like fall like three feet away from him. <laughs> just, like, I do think he's a good center fielder. He's fine. He's fine. But he recently had a couple gaps where I was like, that oh boy. <laughs> Main thing for me, starting pitching again, Phillies starting pitching, very good. Second only behind Houston in Fangraphs war this season as a group. It'll impressive. help them more if they can advance than it will help them in a three-game series, but it's still a strength for them that a lot of teams uh, wish they had in uh, in many cases. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the nano experience. 
a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be a foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Post-operative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Let's get to the Mets and Padres. Simple question to start. You know, do you think too much is made of the Mets' lack of homers? They're 16th in MLB in homers this season. Well, teams that out-homer their opponents in in the postseason usually win. (laughs) Usually. And teams that actually get a big proportion of their offense from homers also retain that offense in the in the postseason. That's a that's a finding Ben Lindbergh had. So <clears throat> yeah, there's something there. But we also have on the other hand that teams that don't strike out do disproportionately well in the playoffs. And as a team, the New York Mets this year had the third best strikeout rate. They're not necessarily Cleveland, but they're also not necessarily Cleveland when it comes to power, right? <laughs> so uh, look at the the comparison to the Houston Astros. A 19.5% strikeout rate for the Houston Astros, 19.7 for the Mets. A 176 isolated slugging for the Astros and a 152 for the Mets. Uh, the Guardians, for example, are 129. So, yes, they don't hit enough, and it would be great to have Starling Marte uh, hit enough for power, and it would be great to have Starling Marte healthy, um, and there are some questions. But I think what's being missed in how that series played out is that the Mets are still a really damn good team, you know? And I, a team that uh, won 100 games on their own can survive, especially a team that's built for depth, can survive missing Starling Marte. And uh, I have to see them as the prohibitive favorite in this series. Yeah. Despite the seedings looking so close. Right. I mean, that's just the way things had to work. But the Mets are third in WRC Plus as a team. They're sixth league-wide in runs. They have scored more runs than the Phillies, the Astros, the Padres, the Guardians, the Mariners, and the Rays. Some of those teams we talk about as having issues scoring runs, but we don't talk about the Phillies, the Astros as teams that have trouble scoring runs. We shouldn't talk about the Mets as a team that has trouble scoring runs. They did at the deadline, add some thump off the bench. So they got a little more power than they had when the season started. The Starling Marte situation, I think is important. He might not be hundred percent, even if he's cleared to play with that finger injury, he might be 70% himself. And that's a tougher call to make in terms of, pushing him out there for every single plate appearance, plate appearance, possibly pinch hitting at various points. But the story with the Mets, you, you want to tell yourself a good story about the Mets if you're a Mets fan? Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer are healthy. Chris Bassett's healthy. Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker are healthy too. But I'll say it again, Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer are healthy. You have those two guys <laughs> at the front of your rotation, and you might have the best closer in baseball in the back with Edwin Diaz. You got a lot of things going right on your team right now. And yeah. the Padres are one of those teams that because of the really flashy moves of the deadline, adding Hader, adding Juan Soto, adding Brandon Drury, and going all in for this season. At the time, we were expecting Tatis to come back too. Of course, that suspension has kept that from happening. But this is still, even though the players they acquired, Josh Bell is part of that group too, They've generally underperformed expectations. Josh Hader appears to be back on track these last few weeks. That's a great sign for them. Elite Josh Hader is absolute filth to deal with. They've got some good arms in the pen. Yeah, Bullpen's still good. Starting rotation's really good, too. And Blake Snell has been a top 10 starting pitcher in the second half. 
by war. He's pitched very well since the start of July. Yeah. So you think about Darvish and Musgrove and Snell. I would say this version of Mike Clevenger that we've seen this season is not totally unlike what we've seen with Noah Syndergaard between his time with the Angels and Phillies, where not quite back to where he was. Not the guy he used to be. Still, if you use him the right way in a playoff series, probably better than what other teams have out there. So the pitching is still a strength, even if there are some questions about especially the secondary group of bats behind the likes of Machado and and Soto. But I'm still not going to sit here and look at what Juan Soto has done since this trade and say, eh, the Padres just aren't that dangerous. Soto's not himself. Everything starts over. Everything resets. He's played on this stage before. He's played well on this stage before. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a good series. I just think having both DeGrom and Scherzer healthy has been such a key for the Mets World Series chances all season long that they're actually at that point in October is exciting for all of us. But it's also exciting for Mets fans. And I think that's the main reason why they come away and win this series. I just I, I, I'm a numbers guy, so like you know, I know uh, it's very hard to predict uh, postseason ball. But there's no when you look at the numbers, there's no there's no unit on the Padres that you take over the Mets. Um, for example, uh, let's just take the uh, last 30 days offense. I'm doing that because the Padres changed their lineup so heavily um, at the deadline. Uh, the Mets have scored 30 more runs than the Padres in the last 30 days. They've uh, they've struck out less than the Padres. Uh, they've walked more than the Padres. They've hit for more power. Uh, I'll take the Mets' offense, you know, uh, as it stands. Uh, then you look at uh, the the pitching. If you look at the starters, uh, I don't even have to look at any numbers. I'm gonna take the Mets starters. <laughs> I'm sorry, DeGrom and Scherzer. And then you have uh, sort of a Carrasco-Bassett uh, manwich uh, for the game three. I'm taking that. Um, I guess I have not looked at fielding stats, and it's you can't really do uh, uh, a 30-game split. but uh, And then fielding numbers aren't that great. But, you know, Fangraphs has the Mets and Padres as you know, pretty close, but the Mets ahead of the Padres. Is there, am I missing something on defense? Do you, you think one is clearly better than the other? Not really. No. They're, they've got some relative strengths and weaknesses that are different, but overall I would call them above average defenses. So I'd give that maybe a tie. Um, and then in the bullpen, yes, uh, I really do uh, think that Hater is back. Um, and I, I do think uh, that I like Robert Suarez, and I like some of those. I like Pierce Johnson. I like some of those relievers in San Diego. Um, and in fact, over the last 30 days, the Padres have had a, a slightly better war by 0.1. That's that's not enough for me uh, to take it because the Mets have the Mets bullpen has struck out 12 batters per nine and walked two batters per nine in the last 30 days. Like the Mets bullpen uh, is rolling right now and uh i'll take diaz over hater so uh you know i think uh you know with may healthy and with a couple of those guys i'm just taking the mets relievers i'm taking the mets starters and i'm taking the mets lineup i guess the best defensive metric i can throw at you that favors the padres would be outs above average you know stack mm-hmm. has them at at 30 second only to arizona for the wow. season so the mets are at 10 by the way that's eighth league-wide uh, runs prevented. They've got the Padres at twenty-five and the Mets at eight. So I think even if you gave the Padres uh, defense over the Mets, I'm, it's not enough for me to change the, my my pick. I just think this format, the best of three, favors teams that when you make them smaller are better. And the Mets are one of those teams that even though they have more depth than usual, when you make them small, when you make an NBA Jam equivalent of the Mets <laughs> they get really strong and the, the rotation is a perfect reflection of that which is the top two starters they have right so maybe some of the flaws the Mets have are going to be bigger issues in longer series like that yeah that like I think Diaz, Ottavino, May, Lugo full stop right makes them a better team um, yeah Scherzer, DeGrom two out of three starts yeah I know I know the Braves just swept them but you also know Scherzer is like nutty, you know, and DeGrom is 
you know, probably is the best pitcher in the game for one game. Scherzer's probably out there running stairs right now. <laughs> or staring through some stairs. Well, both. It looks like he could stare through things. Yeah, no, I, I think he does. If there's anybody who was a, um, who was it, Cyclops? The, the From X-Men, that, yeah. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> anyone could stare and explode your heart. <laughs> I just I, I just had a piece a, a column come out where uh, I just talked to Max Scherzer about Stuff Plus and uh, he he's he's like an intense dude I think I you know I don't think he hates me or anything but like he's like just going through and like telling me why you know you can't put all the pitching into one number and this is what you're missing, and this is what you're missing, and this is what you're missing. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a very spirited conversation. It was. I kind of wish I'd been spirited. there for that. <laughs> and we got Trevor May involved, so there was, you know, there was like a three-way conversation there, and uh, this is generally good. I was glad to have Trevor May there because it softens um, the conversation. He's a lot. also like more pro analytics, so right? Yes, you a little can get bit s- of help there from a player. You, you get a little bit of a bridge. <laughs> you get some comic relief. Both good things to have. Glad you could have used some comic relief. Like if, if only Adam Dunn had been there. <laughs> I haven't seen or heard from Adam Dunn in a while. I wonder what he's up to. Is he playing pickleball somewhere? That's what everyone's Ooh. doing. Everyone's playing pickleball somewhere. That'd be amazing. Pickleball championships. Adam Dunn versus Jeremy Lin. Who'd win? You and me I'm- or Adam Dunn <laughs> and Jeremy Lin? <laughs> I think we're giving I'll up a little the, athleticism I'll there. Yeah, I'll take the former. And court coverage. The court coverage <laughs> yeah. for those two guys. That's right. All right. Well, we're both on the Mets in this series. Again, it doesn't mean we don't like the other side. Padres are a fun team. They deserve to be here. All the best to them. But the Mets just seem like they've got a little more firepower up top, and that's going to make a difference in this short series. Let's go to the AL side. This one. The Guardians and Rays series is guaranteed to be the earliest start time every single day that they play, right? By far. Oh, yeah. Like the least appealing game from a national There's, TV they audience have an perspective. AM Pacific time start, they would do it. <laughs> if they could move this game to London and try to grow playoff baseball in Europe, I think Major League Baseball would do it. If they could I'm not saying play that. at midnight for, for Tokyo, you know. <laughs> yeah, which this game in a lot of ways, it's the it's the Spider-Man meme, right? It's, it's the two frugal organizations that are very oh. well run, yeah, and so staring and pointing at each other in some key ways, though. Different methodologies within being frugal, but frugal mm. and successful, right? That's the the overarching theme. For these two teams. The winner of this series goes to face the Yankees. One of these teams will be the first team to be sellers at the deadline and win the World Series. <laughs> Did the Guardians even do that? Yeah, I don't know, but I just I could see it happening. You know when, when you're outside with your dogs and you, you see the bunny rabbit and the rabbit's defense mechanism is to stand still, stand as still as possible and hope that the dog could stop seeing it? That's what the Guardians did at the trade deadline. And that's part of the reason why <laughs> I was I was so opposed to picking them throughout the second half. I thought, you know, no, the Minnesota's going to get healthy. For their team. They could the have White gotten Sox a power bat. It. They should have gotten a power bat. They could have done that. They have the pros- they have prospects for days. We talked on this podcast about the Guardians having enough prospects. If they wanted to be the team to go get Juan Soto, they could have done it. They mm-hmm. easily could have done it. They could have topped the offer that the Padres made to the Nationals. The Guardians are that good as an organization. And then I thought they didn't trade those guys. Many of those top prospects are at double A and higher. Maybe we're going to see those players down the stretch. Mostly, no, we didn't see that group of players down the stretch. So for all the things I thought they could do to either get better with a trade, to promote from within, they didn't do it, and I thought, maybe that's going to cost them. Nope, wrong. The rest of the AL Central folded up. Guardians played well when they needed to. They're a different kind of team from the playoff teams, right? They steal a lot of bases. They're third in Major League Baseball in steals. That's easily the highest among playoff teams this year. 119 stolen bases. Rangers led the league, if you care, 128. I think what's working for the Guardians right now, you know, is very similar to what worked for the Royals back in 2014 and 2015. 
It's a loaded bullpen. They've got speed. They play good defense. And it's just a different sort of build than most of the other teams that we see playing baseball in October. There's so many fascinating matchup parts to this. So you just brought up the fact that the it's the go-go guardians. Did you just make that up? I did. Just just came. Very, very well done. <laughs> you do get paid to use words for a living, so the Go-Go Guardians are number one uh, in the last month. I don't know. You said maybe it's over the season. The same thing. Uh, but uh, the Rays are 23rd in stolen bases against, as in in a good way. They control the running game. So they can take they away control that the running game. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Tyler Glass now is one of the worst. And so he doesn't figure into these numbers very much because he only had two starts. Right, so they may go. It's always uh, normally you take the you take the stolen bases off the pitcher. So Glass now comes in. He really doesn't want to let anybody on base, which maybe he doesn't. But he also has walk guys in the past. So I think that's a there's a fascinating little bit of a, uh, a storyline there. But then also, um, you know, when it comes to the starting rotation. So if you look, uh, if you just sum up the the, the threesome and the foursome, it's it's probably uh, Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill. Uh, versus uh, McClanahan, Glasnow, um, Springs, Rasmussen. Yeah, you know, so that's your that's your your four seventy three. So you sum them up. Uh, obviously, the uh, the Guardians trio has pitched a hundred innings more. You know, they're more bulky, right? Uh, they've won seven more games. You know, so they've you know done things that we've traditionally in the past looked at as the starters. Uh, the Rays throw two miles an hour harder. You know, the Rays for some stuff plus is 113. The Guardians is 95, you know, for the starters. And yet they've pitched both to, uh, you know, two six ERA for the Rays, three ERA for the Guardians. Um, and they've suppressed runs. They've done really well um, on paper. I, I think some people might might favor the Guardians rotation. I'm taking the Rays rotation. Um, but they both have bottom five uh, batting average on balls in play this year, meaning that they are really, really good at placing their uh, their defenders and making the most out of the defensive. In fact, the Padres have hired uh, a raised defensive coordinator. Uh, the uh, Red Sox uh, uh, took elements of the raised defensive uh, situation. Um, I've been hearing this from a certain outfielder who's played in all these places <laughs> that gets annoyed about these things uh but uh they are very stringent about where they place their guys uh they've got it all game planned out uh before the game starts and so and i'm assuming the guardians are the same way um so you know the defense the run suppression will be elite on both of these teams uh the the rotations have gotten to similar numbers uh, but the Rays have done it with better stuff. So I'm taking, I'm pretty squarely taking the Rays rotation. If we're going to go unit by unit, I'm taking the Rays rotation. I'm going to take, I'm going to call it an even on the defense. And running game, there's some strengths, but there's some strengths on the other side. I think they might, they might cancel each other out. So the most fascinating is this, this, this very different offensive styles. The Rays are a little bit more strikeout, hope to get hot, hope to hit a hope to hit a homer or two, hope to walk, and the Guardians are trying to string together singles, which has traditionally among analysts been a thing that you don't aim for because singles are the biggest source of noise. Singles are the worst thing to depend on. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand that it totally makes sense, and I'm not here to refute that as a reason to be skeptical of a team. I guess the thing that I look at with the Guardians is that even though their method is so different and even though we might look at the Rays method as more palatable if we're choosing between the two of how we were going to build a team is like which one's going to be is it more like the Guardians or the Rays we we skew more toward the Rays they're just different paths to a similar outcome 
as far as the actual production. Low, low scoring games. Low scoring games. <laughs> I mean, it's a 101 WRC plus for the Rays this season. It's a 98 for the Guardians. It's not really a whole lot to separate them. Cleveland gets to play the whole series at home. We don't get a full Tyler Glass now. We get about 80% of Tyler Glass now from a workload perspective. I know the Rays bullpen is deep, always has a lot of weapons where they can, whenever they need to, throw different looks at you. But they're not healthy. They just lost Colin Posh, Pache. Yeah, Pache, yeah. To uh, to an injury. So right now they're not as deep as they normally are. I would trust Fairbanks and Jason Adam, and then I'm not as sure who I'm trusting beyond that. Yeah, so... I like Shane McClanahan more than Shane Bieber, just in terms of which pitcher would I choose if if my season were on the line. That's a close enough matchup, too, where the Guardians could still hang around in that game. And if they take any advantage, I'm taking the Cleveland bullpen squarely over the Tampa bullpen. Right. And then I think when I look at the Rays, you know, Wander's been productive since coming off the I.L., but not hitting for power. power. Yeah. One homer and 97 plate appearances since coming off the I.L., 7.2% 7.2% K rate. Just remarkable. Wander Franco's hit tool is absurd. 322, mm-hmm. 381, 471, but one home run. And I think we've talked about but this Cleveland a few made ago. the whole plane out of Wander Franco. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Jose Ramirez and it's Andres Jimenez. Who's had his own injuries. You know, he had, he had a thumb injury and he's been not the same since. Yeah, he's been down relative to what he was doing in the first half, especially when he looked like he was a MVP candidate at that point. I mean, that mm-hmm. was the that was the start of the season he had. But Andres Jimenez has taken a big step forward this year. We've seen st- pretty steady production from Josh Naylor. I look at this group and I see just enough for them to get it done in this series. I'm back and forth on this one. I think this is one of the most difficult series of the four to predict. Probably the most difficult. There's only four, so one of the most difficult like come on just pick one this is the most difficult series to predict i'm gonna take cleveland i don't even think they have that much of a home field advantage if we're talking about how they've played at home versus how they played on the road this season so I'm, it's not necessarily because of that i just think they can match up fine with the rays and i think this is a Rays team that doesn't quite have that that secondary level of offensive contributor that I I like as much as we've liked them in past years. I think there are some legitimate questions in terms of how they're going to put runs on the board in every series they play in the postseason. And then the last question on this series I have for you is, does recent form matter? Does limping into the postseason record-wise, playing very poorly in your last 10 games entering the postseason, does that really matter? Because that's the other issue with the Rays. I'm not downgrading them for it, but I think some people might be. Yeah, unfortunately, the numbers say no. Uh, there's not much of a relationship between your September record and your October record. However, um, I think the reason that those numbers don't uh, give us a neat and tidy narrative is because there are different ways to a bad record. So, the, for example, there was a bad record. The Yankees, the year they won it in 2000, um, I think they went they they were below 500 in September. Uh, and they and they and they won it all, you know. Um, they were mostly healthy, you know. It was not. It was just poor play, you know? <laughs> which in, it's almost better than you know losing guys or or having guys come have a hamate bone problem or you know like where they're still you know uh, they're playing through pain or whatever. Um, I I when I see this uh, Rays offense, I see that. You know, I don't think the power is going to be there because of the handmade injury. I know it's not a one-to-one relationship. It's not because he had a handmade bone injury, he doesn't have power. I think that usually there's some pain there. And if you have pain, then you're not as good of a hitter. And some guys can hit through it. Matt Olson had a handmade bone injury and hit for power when he came back. Other guys uh, are maybe more affected by it. So I just don't see, you know, Matty Margot is just coming back. But they lost Pache with the the injury comings going to be more succinct with the injury comings and goings. I think this is a worse team uh, than if you look at full season numbers for the Rays. And if you look at recent numbers, you just see a lot of strikeouts and no power uh, from the team in general. Uh, You see a bullpen that I think only goes two, maybe three deep. Um, And so I think you see a lot of flaws there that Cleveland can exploit. So I'm taking the Cleveland offense over the Tampa offense by nose. Uh, and despite the fact that I'm taking the uh, the Tampa rotation over the Cleveland rotation, I'm clearly taking the, the Cleveland bullpen over the Tampa bullpen. 
And so that leaves me to pick the Guardians in this series. Two out of three of those categories go to the Guardians. Might be two out of three games-wise, too. Wouldn't it all be surprising if this took a full three games to iron out between these two clubs? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. One more series to get to. I don't want to send one of these teams home. It's the Blue Jays and Mariners. I want I want these teams to go further both of them to go further in the postseason unfortunately only one is going to advance and I think the Jays the tail of the tape for me with them is that they continue to have an offense that looks much more like a prototypical Astros offense that was true a year ago it's true this year as well sub 20 percent K rate big time offensive production Lots of power. We're seeing that through the second half. I mean, they're right there among the league leaders in terms of, of Team WRC+. Plus. Best, yes, best WRC+, plus in baseball in the last month. Yeah, they are, they are also the kind of team, just, again, this is a very soft factor, but maybe it's because reading this story recently, the Jays' home field advantage seems bigger than most. Getting to play any and all of these games at home seems like a pretty big deal for the Blue Jays. Yeah, travel's a big deal. Uh, traveling across, uh, you know, uh, time zones has been proven to be a big part of home field advantage. So they're making the Mariners fly pretty far. And uh, that, that's going to be, that is going to be a factor for sure. Um, I also just like their offense a lot better than, uh, than the Mariners offense. For, for example, over that same 30 days, Seattle is the sixth best offense, and that's seems a little bit um, soft to me. I don't know. Like uh, sometimes I look at that lineup and uh, against certain matchups and with certain people hurt, I, I just feel like uh, it doesn't go deep enough. Um, rotation wise, I, there's a lot of stuff I like in Seattle. I think Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, that's a, a great combo. Luis Castillo. Uh, I think might be the best pitcher, you know, among the two staffs and among the two starting staffs here. Uh, so I, I want to take uh, Seattle's, but Alec Manoa is going to go toe to toe with Luis, Luis Castillo in game one. And if there's any sort of deciding factor, uh, there's going to be either the Toronto offense or the Seattle bullpen. If Seattle can come out to a you know one run lead or something, they might be able to shut the door. I can tell stories where Mariners win. You know what I mean? I think it's possible to do that with any playoff series, regardless yeah. of, of length. But even a three-game series with almost any two teams, you can you can tell yourself, oh, this is how it would happen. This is how this team would, would win. I hope we get a Gossman-Ray matchup, given that that was a decision that was actually made <laughs> yeah, in right. the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> right? Robbie Ray had one great season with the Jays, ended up going to Seattle on that multi-year deal. Kevin Gossman going to Toronto. 
I mean, these were two guys that every team that was looking for pitching this offseason put side by side. So to put them up against each other on a big stage would be pretty exciting. Similar deals. Um, and then, yeah, that, if that lines up that way, then it's uh, Gilbert. Uh, I, I actually, I've got the, I've got the Toronto one. Uh, Caitlin McGrath was kind enough to tell me. Uh, it'll be Manoa Gossman stripling with Berrios as the safety blanket. Given the way his season has gone, I think making him more of the extra guy for this series makes sense. I think I take Castillo over Manoa, but that's, I think, almost a pick em, pick em. I take Gossman over uh, Ray, um, and I take Gilbert over Stripling. I'm with you for sure on, on Gilbert over Stripling. Those are all good pitching matchups. Those are all really nice. These, this is going to be a fun series. It's going to be a fun weekend overall. Uh, I think there are a few questions that we still don't have clear answers to as it pertains to the health of this Mariners team. You know, Julio Rodriguez, how healthy is he? Yes, he's back from the IL. Yeah, he's going to play. But is he close to 100% healthy at this point? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a question. Um, you know, Cal Raleigh was was dinged up. Eugenio Suarez had broke the tip of his finger. Um, so there, there's definitely some questions there. Winker's banged up right now. Yeah, I, you know, another thing that's weird for me is if I just uh, if I don't look at any numbers, I would think that the Mariners have a top three bullpen in the league. They do probably based on your pitching model. They don't based on results. It's strange. Uh, by war, there, uh, where were they? I had them a second ago. Thirteenth this year. That doesn't. That just doesn't make sense when you watch Middling that group of relievers. They're. Yeah. That's not indicative of what would happen, especially if you can shorten up and pick your three best, most rested relievers on any given day during the postseason. That to me is like a case where if you talk about A bullpens and B bullpens, their A bullpen yes. should stack up fine against anybody. I do think that it's like they, they've got a guy Anthony Miss Missuits. Uh, who's got a five K nine against a four walk for nine that put thirteen innings in, right? Drew Steckenrider had a tough year this year. He had a six K nine. Um, you know, so and that's that's twenty seven innings. And then you kind of like look through some of the guys they've shuffled through and they haven't been amazing. Um if you just focus on the very top uh and you know put away the 45 innings from Tommy Malone, Ryan Bowrucky and Sergio Romo this year and instead focus on Swanson, Bra- Matt Brash uh, since he's been back in the bullpen, Andres Munoz, Paul Sewald and Penn Murphy, the guys that they're going to go uh, into the season with, you're looking at uh, over a 10k9, maybe even an 11k9 uh with something like two walks per nine. I and mean, that's a that's nasty right there. And those guys are all nasty in different ways where Andres Munoz brings the 100. Matt Brash brings the elite slider. Penn Murphy is coming from down under almost. And Paul Seawald looks like he's coming from down under, but is actually over the top. And then having Diego Castillo in there, you know, as almost the fifth or sixth best reliever. I I don't know. I'm taking that Seattle bullpen very squarely over the Blue Jays bullpen. These teams are pretty comparable just in terms of their overall defensive Ability, I think that's probably a wash in that corner. If you're looking at outs above average, looking at runs prevented by Statcast, I mean, is there, is there anything you see that separates them defensively? I know that uh, some of the Fangraphs numbers don't like Julio Rodriguez in center, and I don't get it. I think he's a very good uh, center fielder. Um, maybe, maybe there's some questions long term, but you know, the bat's going to play, and and I'm not right now. Yeah, I see it as as pretty good teams. JP Crawford has weirdly gone from being one of the top uh, defenders in the league to one of the bottom at shortstop. And uh, I wonder if it's a trick of the numbers. I Very rarely do you see a guy who has a really good reputation go from being really good to really, really bad in the numbers without, uh, you know, an injury or something, you know? And I don't think we've really had a reported injury for J.P. Crawford. So... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look past those numbers and call him an excellent uh, shortstop and uh, and put them on par with each other defensively. So I think that one you put that away. You put the bullpen squarely in Seattle's pocket. You put the starting rotation. I'm I'm saying Seattle, but yeah, it could be a push. 
could be a push, and then you give the lineup uh, to the Blue Jays. And that's to me, like, even if you you pick sides in the other areas, it's close everywhere. But I think there is a bigger gap in terms of mm-hmm. how the offenses are built the between these two teams. Offense. That's the biggest advantage that either team has in any facet of the game when you break them down side by side. I think that's the the difference for me. So. Oh my. The bullpen one, man, it's, it's close. But, you know, uh, you also don't know how how much of a difference that'll be. Like, what if Manoa, Gossman, and Stripling all go seven each? It's not impossible. No, it's not. I know. It's now impossible. I'm telling stories. I'm telling stories again. I know. <laughs> but these are stories that have been told before, right? You're talking about, like, the, the, the Nationals. How did they get there? They relied heavily on their starting pitchers, so their bullpen didn't matter as much. That's why an advantage in the bullpen sounds like like during the season you're like oh yeah bullpen's really important you're getting four four plus innings maybe four and a half innings out of your bullpen really really important in any given game you could only get one inning and then it's not as important yeah you you push things a little bit differently in these circumstances and i i know ross stripling has had a great season i've liked ross stripling for a long time i've liked him even back when he was sort of the extra guy for the dodgers he's not going seven (laughs) i don't think he's going seven i don't i'll wear it i'll take the l if he goes seven in a game well then he's got (laughs) various yeah i do think this is a jays team where the pitching depth could be a little vulnerable in a longer series they would love to win it in two yeah and rest everybody and then win the first two games of the next series. <laughs> that would be the ideal outcome for them. Winner of this series, of course, heads to Houston. So I'm I'm going to take Toronto. I think this is going to be an amazing series. And again, like I said up top, I am sad that one of these teams won't get to play beyond the weekend. Have you said that all, all, four, all of these are going to be amazing series? Probably, because they, I think they are. <laughs> Which, which which one is going to be which one's going to just be terrible? The series most likely to be terrible. The series most likely to be terrible. I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it on Cleveland and Tampa because run suppression. I'm I'm sorry. Is this not as fun to watch? It's also I'm a the series guy. that has the shortest list of of star level players. I mean, I know Jose Ramirez is great. He's a phenomenal yeah. player. Probably underrated. Can, can be white hot. Right. And then you've got then you've got some standout starting pitchers, and then the list of you know, yeah, national level awareness stars is is over. Every other team in the postseason, or at least playing in these these wild card uh, matchups, the other six teams all either spend a lot of money or were really aggressive trying to get a lot better this year. And I think from a from a general how's the sport doing perspective. I feel like that needs to be rewarded more often, right? As much as we can be in awe of the frugal teams and their efficiency at winning games, I want players to get paid. I want stars teams to be to treated get better well. at the deadline. I want teams to be aggressive at the deadline. I want I want that behavior to be rewarded. So maybe that's part of why I would also say eh, Guardians Rays they match up really well. It could be a fun series to watch, but of these series it's going to be the most different the other three might look similar to each other but that series is just going to play out a bit different probably the lowest scoring by far of all of them yeah and the highest scoring will be this one even though there's good this one should be yeah i think cardinals phillies probably second highest scoring no i'm gonna go cardinals phillies highest i'm I'm gonna put cardinals phillies second on this one I, i think the Jays are going to put up some runs and the Mariners can can do it too. So I, I think that's going to be a, a better offensive series than people might expect in some instances. Which side of this one are you actually on? <laughs> you. <laughs> you tried to get away, didn't you? I did. I tried to get away. <sighs> Blue Jays. Sorry, Seattle. <laughs> I, know, I, feel, I really want you to go far, Seattle. I, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I, I really want Seattle, Philadelphia, and San Diego to win. Like I, I, I'm not like that sounds like rooting, and I'm not supposed to root, but I, I think it's okay. I'm not. It's three teams, so it's not like I'm rooting for them. Like I'm rooting for them to win. It's more about like congratulations man like 
it's been so long and it's been a tough road. And so it would be really great to throw a, a, a series win on there. And I think I picked against all three. Yeah, I mean, I want the Rays to win that series, but I think Cleveland's going to win it. I like watching Shane McClanahan pitch as much as anybody in the league right now. So if you say, who, who do you want to watch play further into the season uh, out of all those players? Glass now, yeah, healthier Glass now. The longer the Rays stay in the postseason, the deeper he's going to pitch into games because he's mm-hmm. stretching out. That's pretty exciting. I just, I think it's Fairbanks and Adam in that bullpen. That's it. So we'll see. Maybe they'll have someone step forward in that bullpen and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that dude. That's sort of their thing. That's their, that's their thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we at least got one prediction each right out of oh four God. series. Hoping for, for one. <laughs> that would be great. I'm doing picks again if you want to follow on The Athletic and laugh at how bad I am. Theathletic.com slash baseball show. If you don't have a subscription, a dollar a month for the first six months, that'll get you playoff coverage. It'll get you off-season coverage. It'll get you the beginning of next season. That's six months. That's that far away. It's pretty amazing. So get that at theathletic.com slash baseball show. You can find Eno on Twitter at Eno Saris. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. You've always got the green light here. Green light.